Here we are, folks. Another podcast episode of The Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight. Tonight, we're going to cover a topic that is so forefront in today's uh, news uh, that I don't know of anybody who hasn't heard uh, about it or been affected by it. So before we get into that, again, we are The Liberty Room with Jim and... I'm Dwight. My friend Dwight is here as well. How are you tonight, Jim? I am wonderful. I'm sitting here with my friend. I got my coffee. I got a microphone. I got, well, I got, so I can't complain. That's right. It's a beautiful night. We can talk about stuff we like to talk about. Yep. Yeah, and some of this stuff that we talk about is uncomfortable to talk about. It is. And this is going to be one of those topics where it hits a little personal um, to a lot of people in the world, and we're going to talk about the role of the police in our society and uh, how our society looks at it. And when I say police, I don't mean the three-piece band from England. <laughs> you mean the guys that sit in uh, these vehicles with like lights on the top that try to pull you over on the side of the highway? That would be the guys with the radar guns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They are a big fan of me, let me tell you. Oh, my wife tends <laughs> to get a ticket like every other year. I get a driving I get a driving award. Uh, <laughs> driving award. Let's see. <laughs> Honestly, I think I got three in one year, but uh, I went and talked to the judge, and they understood my plight and um, mm. and tore all three of them up because, um, well, I try to be a good, upstanding American. I just got a, I've got this medical condition where my right foot is just a little bit heavier than my left foot. I had that exact same condition. Yeah. I have a feeling that that wasn't why they let you off. They probably knew exactly who you were. They knew that you were. The Jim Wood. Well, you know, that does uh, hold a little weight, but not as much weight as my right foot. <laughs> <laughs> but how many of them have you trained over the course of their careers? Uh, well, now that is one thing. There are several uh, officers uh, that were in the military or uh, outside the military where um, they got their firearms training from none other than myself. So mm-hmm. um, that does help a little bit, I will admit. Um but I don't do anything that is completely reckless because then I would expect them to do their job and do their job to the letter. Right. Uh, because I grew up a, a cop's kid. My dad was a policeman. Uh, my dad was a policeman for uh, during near 30 years. He, um, he was one of them good old country cops. We kind of laugh and say he was like uh, Andy Griffith on steroids. <laughs> um, I guess he wasn't Barney Fife. No, he most definitely was, and he was actually uh, in the neck of the woods where I come from, quite legendary. Um, and he uh, he he dealt in good old mountain justice, mm-hmm. as it's referred to, and and in some ways I think we need to go back to that again. Um, because when you uh, when you know there's consequences, you tend to have a less or less to. Uh, tendency to break the law. Sure. You know, um, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the news right now. And I'm sure some of my dad's stories will come up as we go along. Um, but you know, um, we look now at the, the George Floyd issue. Um, there's so many other that just get magnified, uh, so much, even the officer, uh, where was it in Ohio that stopped the young lady from a uh, young lady I used loosely who was trying to stab the other girl. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, and, and they blame the cop. Um, you know, so we've, uh, we're going to cover quite a bit of it tonight. I mean, um, I don't even know really if you're going to begin, you, you kind of go back to the, to the old West, mm-hmm. you know, and you're looking at me where we're going with this. I, I like to know this because <laughs> see the old West, I remember watching on TV shows, the <laughs> well, wild, wild West, oh, uh, you know, Jim West and Artemis Gordon. Jim, Absolutely. I love that show. You know, some gun smoke. 
Yeah, some bonanza. Right. Absolutely. You know, what is it about the Cartwrights? They always manage to get captured somewhere. You know, for a wealthy family with <laughs> with a lot of skills, yeah. Hoss so, was always getting beaten up or something. And, or, you know, the biggest guy always got beat yeah. up, and the, the littlest guy always got kidnapped. But, no, when you look back in those days, the only thing they did was they found the toughest guy in the area, and they put a badge on him. Right. You know, and they kept the peace ter- Purely by, you know, I won't say purely, but majority by reputation. Yeah, and intimidation. Intimidation, exactly. You knew yeah. you didn't screw up. And, you know, a lot of parents use those same techniques. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> know right. mine did growing up. Uh, I knew not to screw up because, you know, the law in my house. Was the uh, law. Well, technically he was the law. But, um, you know, policing over the years, there's always been some sort of intimidation. There's mm-hmm. always been some sort of. Um, you know, tough guy, um, uh, attitude where, uh, the cops had to, uh, maintain that because you're constantly outnumbered. That's right. You have to walk with a purpose. You have to address each issue with a purpose because if you don't, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, uh, a, a lot of officers killed in the line of duty because, uh, they weren't, um, weren't walking with a purpose. Well, if they appear weak. Oh yeah, you know, and, and again, going back to your 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 old West reference, you know, <laughs> watching like Matt Dillon. Okay, I have, now I have a tumblebe- tumbleweed in my mind just going across. Yeah, so people like Matt Dillon, you know, yeah. his character. You looked at him; he was intimidating. He was a big guy. He wasn't oh, yeah. skinny. He, like you said, he walked with a purpose. He he didn't appear weak around people. And I know it's just an actor, but and a character, but. I think well, when they people picked him as a character for a reason, yeah. When people yeah. see that, they're they're less likely to do something stupid. Sure, absolutely. You know, if, if I look at you, Jim, and I say, "Well, you're just a, just a really big giant teddy bear," I'm probably not going to respect you like I would someone who's you know staring me down. Probably thinking back of his mind, I could kill Dwight five ways to Sunday <laughs> right now. You know, I am a big teddy bear. I know you are. Cuddles are great. Yeah, but with all your tattoos, see, now I'm intimidated. So you're an intimidating, big, cuddly teddy bear. I'm kind of a big guy. I have got some tattoos. So, yeah, no, I can understand that. And I see that. It's been yeah. the been the comment around, you know, um, especially with all the COVID stuff. I've, you know, nobody said anything to me about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And a guy in the store one day went, well, look at you. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Said, well, that's kind of what I said. I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> he goes, if I saw you in the store walking with a purpose, a big guy like you tattooed, he says, I'm not going to approach you either. That's right. I said, well, but you know me. I'm, you know. <laughs> but no one I'm else as, knows I'm you. as easy to get along with as anybody is, but uh, that's not the appearance, I guess. That's right. Um, you know, so, yeah, no, when you look at some of these officers in the movies and stuff, they, they, pick, them, they pick their roles for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same as... As George Washington was was not just the first president, but picked as commander in chief of the of the army by the Second Continental Congress, uh, because he was such a large, intimidating man. Mm-hmm. Not only did he have the history and he have the experience, the fact that he was six foot two in a time when people were five six, five eight, you know that you know he was head and shoulders above everybody in the room, mm-hmm. um, and a man sitting in the saddle of a horse at six foot two. Um, you'll take was, notice of him. Oh yeah. You'll see him on the battlefield for anybody else. And that's quite an intimidating sight. Right. Um, so there's a reason why that goes that way. And, um, unfortunately human nature, um, uh, doesn't affect everybody the same way, I guess. So there's people out there that need to be intimidated in order to keep, uh, control in a society. Sure. 
Well, you've seen that uh, TV series. I think it was called Scared Straight. Oh, yeah. You know, where they're trying to, it's it's an intimidation factor. It's if we can scare these people a certain way, maybe they'll stop doing what, what it is they're doing. And again, intimidation, I think, does play a part. I remember when I was growing up, my dad was not law enforcement, but my dad was five foot 11. So he was taller than me for most of my life until I hit about 13. <laughs> then I think I shot past him. But at 5'11", you know, my dad was not a skinny guy. He was not a big guy, but he, he was an average guy, but he, he carried himself well. He carried himself. He, he stood as tall as he could. And in, as a child, I remember being intimidated, looking at him and going, I better not screw up because he'll whoop me. Yeah. You know, and I saw other, other kids' dads who weren't like that. Yep. They were always slouching. They were fat. They were just, they weren't, they didn't carry themselves well. And it's like, well, why would, why would your kid want even want to listen to you? You, you? Not that we need to scare people, but the intimidation does play a big role in keeping people walking the straight and narrow. Absolutely. You know, and as we have evolved into the 20th and then on into the 21st century, um, so has policing. Um, and it has evolved into the point, um, well, throughout the 20th century, um, you know, we had the things that people see on TV all the time, the the gangsters of the, the 30s, the 20s and 30s, um, where a lot of times, you know, the police um, turn their head the other way. Because the mafia, or let's say, or mm-hmm. you know, some of the mafia, um, and it's where I'm trying to get to, some of the mafia did the policing of their own neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, and even to the point where we went into World War II, the police and um, uh, the U.S. government went to the mafia to help secure the harbors in New York against the Nazis. Did they really? They did, most wow. definitely. So that's where that history degree comes in handy. Oh, man, you are so <laughs> smart. But yeah, the mafia was was primarily in charge of keeping the, ha- the harbors uh, clear of spies, keeping an eye on who was in the, in the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> um, because if you were out of place, they knew it. And the ruthlessness they could have was probably a little more ruthless in some cases than the Nazis were. Sure. So one of the reasons why the New York Harbor stayed so clear and they didn't really have to worry, I won't say won't have to worry about it as much, but felt confident in the security of the harbors um, is because of the mafia worked as a police force. Mm-hmm. Um, so they the police turned their head to some of the things that happened. Now, after the war, you know, then things came into place. J. Edgar Hoover took a more prominent role through the FBI, um, and that was where modern policing really kind of come into play as far as what we know now or the beginnings of what we know now as an organized police force, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, people turned, I won't say they turned a blind eye, but usually if you were screwing up, police were going to take care of you. And if police were taking care of somebody, it's because they were screwing up. Right. You know, um, unlike today. Correct. I mean, it, it's really changed over the years that the modern, and I'm not trying to speak ill of anyone, any, any police officer today, but I think just pol- the, the policing methods as a whole has changed. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, yes, they're taking care of business, but in a lot of cases we're a little too lenient, I think, in how we enforce our laws. Uh, political correctness has invaded. It has. Invaded and not just invaded, but um, invaded and con- took control. Yeah. You know, uh, now we're looking at things um, where police have to wear the body cameras. Old school cops like my dad would never make it in a day like today where they wear the cameras. Um, You know, I work in an industry where we deal with a lot of police officers. 
Um, my my personal uh, business, we uh, you know we deal with police officers on a regular basis, and you know a lot of those old school cops are like, man, I'm thanking the good Lord above that uh, I don't have to. I'm I'm not a cop now, right? You know, they're training cops, but they're not you know actually out on the street facing everything that's going on now because. Um, well, now they have to literally be defensive in everything they do. Everything. I mean, every every encounter they have with anybody for whatever reason is likely going to end up in a lawsuit. Oh yeah. You know, but 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. If, if I was out speeding around in my car and I got arrested by a, by a police officer when I was 16 or whatever, you know, my parents would expect to see me in jail. Yeah. But today, if that were to happen, yeah, the parents would be suing the police officer for insulting their child. And that has really got, that's caused as much of the problems now as we have as a bad cop. Right. Because I remember in my rebellious teenage years before I went off to the army, um, which did me a world of good, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had been out partying one night and doing things that teenagers do. Um, I was uh, doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I was sitting, I was behind the wheel taking a nap. <laughs> because I was too impaired to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the local, now granted this is the old, uh, you know, um, this is back in the country a few years ago. Um, one of the local police officers drove by, saw me sitting in my vehicle, motor was running, um, knew that I pulled over because I couldn't drive, um, and took me home. That won't happen today. Yeah, you won't see that now. No. You know, because the too many liabilities involved to, you know, too many of those PC uh, rules and regulations now, it's took away the courtesy that some of those cops would have normally had right? Um, because they're so defensive now. And they have to be on the defensive. You know, if somebody stole my vehicle, I could sue them for my vehicle being gone. If something would have happened, uh, if he'd have been in a wreck on the way back, then there, he's liable. You know, there's so many different... Little things and big things both that uh, could have taken place there to where nowadays they're not going to worry about it. They're just going to take you into custody and take you to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's unfortunate that it's like that, but that just seems to be the way things are now. And you really can't blame them um, because they're looking out for themselves, their partners and their department. Well, they have to look out for themselves because nobody else is. Ain't and that and the, the, the And governments all over the, the country are changing their laws so that police officers have fewer or have less rights. Yeah. You know, in, in, in my opinion, if you're a police officer and, and you're in the, in the performance of your duties, mm-hmm. you're doing everything right. There should be no reason why you are sued. Right. At all. Now, well, if you do something stupid, like, I don't know, stick your knee on someone's neck and crush their windpipe or whatever, sure. and, you know, or in the case of like Eric Garner, where they put him in a chokehold against, Gov- or against uh, department policies. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we will go after you. Yeah. If an honest mistake is made, again, I don't think they should be sued. Right. Um, but I remember I went to an FBI briefing several years ago when I was doing another job, and uh, they were talking about uh, uh, white supremacists, uh, the sovereign citizens. Yes, I was watching something about that last night, actually. And uh, are, are the two the same, white supremacy and sovereign citizen? No. No, they're not. Okay. No. All right, but remember, it was sovereign citizens. Because they're the ones that will, will sue police officers and put liens on like their vehicles and their homes. They'll, you know, so if a police officer pulls them over, they instantly tell them, hey, you know, I'm a citizen. Your laws don't apply to me. Yeah, well, that doesn't work out too well for them normally. It doesn't. But, but until it goes to court, that police officer now has all his personal stuff tied up in sure. liens. And, and that, to me, 
that's wrong. Yeah, and and now you've got states um, with everything that's going on. It's talking about taking away that qualified immunity, right? You know that that cops' bill of rights or whatever they call it. You know, I can't tell you how many police officers I've talked to who says they take away the the qualified immunity. I'm turning my resignation that day. You want to take away qualified immunity? Take it away from our politicians. <laughs> Amen okay? to that. Let them be responsible for every word they say while yep. they're behind that lectern in Richmond. Yep. Okay? Yep. And if they get behind the wheel of a car and are drunk, there is no immunity. Yeah. You go to jail like all the rest of us. That's right. But you allow our police, officer have, police officers to have qualified immunity. They just, Their job, yep. they have no idea what they're going to roll up on. When they see a, a parked vehicle... Like you. Yeah. Okay. They see a part of engine running parked vehicle, mm-hmm. some dude behind the wheel of the car. They have no idea. Are you going to pull a gun on them? Are right. you going to run over them? Are you going to insult them? Yep. They don't know what's going on. And here we are trying to take away the one defensive measure they have in qualified immunity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in this big thing movement for defund the police, Oh my! it's gosh. just another route. Yeah. It's just another route to go because they know they won't have to defund the police if they can do things to make the police actually quit. That's right. Stop, you know. I know right here in our town how shorthanded our police department is. Mm-hmm. Ridiculously shorthanded. Right. You know, you got guys just killing themselves in overtime trying to pick up the slack. And uh, you got a young man that comes into the store on a constant basis. Um, become a, We've become friends. Uh, his name's Jake. And Jake is actually in the police academy now who is coming here to our city to be a police officer. And the other day I asked him, I went, why? Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because uh, with everything going on right now, why do you want to be a cop? He looked at me and he gave the best answer I could come up with or I, I could have heard. Why did you want to be a soldier? Because you were called. He, he says it's a calling. Yeah, and that's what I God hear. God bless from, him. That's God what I hear from, from most people who are police officers and yeah. even and even soldiers. They feel called to that job. They're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for the prestige. Yeah. They're not doing it for the for the honor and the glory. They're doing it because they feel like this is what they should be doing. There is a ton of honor in it, but there is no glory anymore. Yeah. And being a police officer, you know, there was a case uh, in Afghanistan uh, in the military where um, a car is coming down a hill into the middle of a gunfight. The uh, 82nd Airborne Division, <laughs> you know, I got to bring them up. Yes, you do. Um, my family, um, the 82nd Airborne Division, um, uh, a young lieutenant has a, a, a fire team who is engaged with the Taliban in this village. I mean, and it's they're going at it pretty heavy. Um, a car comes down the road, down a hill, comes into the middle of everything, didn't slow down. And in that kind of situation, and this just goes to tell you, show you what police also see on a daily basis um, in some areas where um, this car rolls up in there, so automatically you think it's a vehicle-borne IED. Right. All right, so the lieutenant gave the order to open fire on the car. Come to find out, it's some prominent doctor who's got relate. His wife is related to somebody in the Afghan government, and they didn't think this firefight was enough to slow them up to go on their vacation. Well, they know that now. Well, it killed the mom, uh, uh, wounded uh, the daughter. There was two others in the car that weren't. But what did America do? They brought that lieutenant home and put him on trial in civilian court. Mm. All right. Here he is having to make a a life and death decision. Yep. Doesn't know what that danger is in front of him, and right. we're going to try it. Right. And and, and uh, it doesn't happen as often with police departments, but it does happen with police departments. It does. You know, and, and when you get in one of those situations, and I, t- I teach in the concealed weapons class, in the United States, the average shooting incident lasts three to five seconds. That's in uh, um, a self-defense shoot. 
from the time an altercation starts to the time somebody's bleeding out on the floor is three to five seconds. Mm-hmm. Think about how quick three to five seconds is. Blink of an eye. Pretty much. You know, and you've got to make a split second decision right there in that moment. All right. What happens in that moment now is going to be judged by somebody else. And in today's social media and media uh, platforms, it's not going to be, it's not just going to be uh, uh, scrutinized. It's going to be dissected frame by frame, millisecond by millisecond as to what you had to do and had what decision you had to make in that small window of time. And God forbid it goes to court and you oh, get yeah. a jury who's seen all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can no longer get an untainted jury anymore. Right. right. And, you know, I, I tell the people in the concealed weapons classes, it's, it's like, um, um, it's all about geography sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Virginia where we're at, if, um, you know, if an altercation happens, and you take all the all the pieces and parts of that case from A to Z, and you try that case down in southwestern Virginia, down in some of those more rural areas uh, around Bristol and and down in that area, Dickinson County, good old home sweet home, you know. Or you take that, and then you take that same trial A to Z, exactly identical from point to point, piece to piece, particle to particle, and you take that and and try that same case in Fairfax, Virginia, and see if you get the same result. No, you won't. Because you're going to sit in front of a judge or a jury that has never been in that situation, mm-hmm. has no way to relate to what you did, has never had that amount of fear just completely engulf them when they're in a situation when it can be life or death. And that jury of so-called peers now has to sit there and listen, and you have to try to convey the emotion you felt in that instance, to them to make them understand why you did what you did. And they'll never understand it, truly, unless they've been through that particular situation before. You may as well be trying to, uh, you know, express emotion through a text message. Right. You know, it just doesn't work. So, and that's what they're doing to our law enforcement. I'll never forget, I saw a video of um, the Phoenix Police Department. Right back when all after the uh, the uh, Ferguson, Missouri stuff mm-hmm. happened, and that's really where a lot of this what we see now today really launched sure, from. It did, um, you know, and and um, in Phoenix, Arizona, the leader of Black Lives Matter, who was just berating the police on social media, on local news, was having marches and gatherings and just going at the police. I love what the police did. What's that? Come on down to training. Oh, that's actually a smart idea. They gave him a dummy pistol and put him in about five different shooter-don't-shoot scenarios. He failed everyone miserably. I'm sure. Afterwards, there's it's it, you can find it on YouTube. You can go out and look at it. It's it's out there where he is on video going, I'm sorry, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I understand now a little bit better what they go through, and I don't want no part of it. Right. You know? So maybe, you know, that old saying, walk a mile in, in somebody else's moccasins really kind of come into play here. Or don't knock it till you try it. Don't knock it till you try it. But, you know, again, here we are in a society. I can't even talk. Yeah. Here we are society. in society. Get your pinky up. Society. Got to get the pinky up. I got to be all pro- prim and proper. A gray poupon. Look at me. Do I look prim and proper? Ah. <sighs> That doesn't make me prim and no, proper. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you are definitely not prim and proper. <laughs> anyway, but we're in a society now where um, everybody's a reporter. That's right. I mean, look at us. We're on a podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone, everyone's got a video camera. Everybody's right got a video iPhone. camera and your phone. Everybody's got a platform. If you've got social media, YouTube, uh, you know, or uh, you know, uh, uh, TikTok or any of the other uh, social media platforms, everybody's got a way to get the word out. Mm-hmm. And a thirty-second clip out of a, a, a twenty-minute confrontation does not always put it in context. Just like the police officer who's being berated now over stopping the lady in Ohio who's trying to stab another woman. That's right. You know, he used deadly force to stop force upon another person, but yet he's wrong. Well, look at the video. Was it of Rodney King? Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe I should go back before Ferguson. That probably was really the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, I can remember that. I remember, uh, you know, Reginald Denny being pulled out of his truck and beaten in the middle of the intersection. You know, and, and that made the news in California as well as the nation. But I don't know if you realize it when all that was going on right here close by in Richmond. Where were you at when that happened? I was in, uh, I was either in California or New Mexico. Gotcha. I think gotcha. New Mexico at the time. Yeah, no, I actually was. No, uh, I was actually in Chicago. I'm sorry. Nice. We, we'd moved. Yeah. Yep. No, I was actually, um, I had just gotten, I, I got out of the army for a little while before I went back. Um, and I was, uh, living not too far from Richmond mm-hmm. when all this happened, but they were having the same problems in Richmond and really? yeah. And I personally know a guy whose nephew, um, uh, was pulled out. He was on, uh, where was it? It was on broad street. Um, right there by where VC Virginia Commonwealth university comes out. Is that, is that Carrie? I don't know the name. Of, I know, I know what you're talking all right, about. It's but. right there at that big intersection. And he was dragged out of his truck, a lot like Reginald Denny was, mm-hmm. and beaten in the middle of the street. Nobody come to help him. Wow. He didn't know Carrie and, and, and Broad Run parallel. Um, anyway, so he uh, um, he took off running. They found his truck like three days da- three days later down the fan, mm-hmm. completely stripped down to the frame. You know, but he he didn't care about the truck. He just wanted to get out of there with his life. So of course. the same thing was going on in other cities, just like what we see now, you know, mm-hmm. after the George Floyd incident, right. you know, uh, um, the riots broke out everywhere. But yeah, mm-hmm. you go back to the Rodney King beating, um, which was obvious. LAPD had a, a long history of, of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely took the... Um, uh, serve and protect, sometimes uh, protect with intimidation uh, too far, especially in that case. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's funny how quickly that stuff spreads when it needs to. And in a day and time now when you've got nothing but everybody wanting their 15 minutes of fame. That's right. They're looking. They're trying to tease the police. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? Well, you've seen videos on, yeah, like on TikTok and YouTube of people that, you know, you'll see a cop roll up on somebody and then there's like, all of a sudden there's 20 bystanders. They all have their phone out and they're all recording. Yeah. I mean, everyone is trying their best to be able to get some sort of video yeah. or audio clip that's going to end up on CNN that evening. Oh yeah. So they can get their 15 minutes of fame sure. at the expense of a police officer who is trying to do his job. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, um, during the George Floyd, uh, well, the Derek Chauvin trial. Yep. Um, let me make sure we get my pad. Oh. Don't drop everything. That makes for good noise over the microphone, don't it? Um, there was a young lady. I sat and watched part of the trial and watched some of the stuff. And what was her name? I've got it here. Um, Genevieve Hansen. Mm-hmm. Genevieve Hansen was an uh, EMT, off-duty EMT, that stood there and watched what was going on with the George Floyd incident. Um, and she was a terrible witness. 
Was she? I mean, an absolute terrible witness to the point where the judge was having to call her down because she was trying to um, put the emphasis on the wrong things, mm-hmm. trying to um, create stuff that really wasn't there. I mean, absolute terrible witness, and that's what she was doing. She was looking for her 15 minutes of fame, mm-hmm. you know, and it came out that, you know, she had uh, bad experiences with officers younger in life or something like that, and it was almost like she was trying to get even mm-hmm. um, because the judge had to just downright get on to her to make her um, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and not add your own personal opinion and speculation into it. Right. I mean, it was constant. Yeah. Genevieve Hansen. That's when Eric Nelson, he, who the de- defense attorney was, mm-hmm. was he would ask her a question and she would go off on this long diatribe of why she felt this happened. And the judge really got really frustrated with her. Well, I mean, she's got national attention now. She does. She's, she knows that she's on the camera. Sure. She knows that uh, they're looking, you know, looking at her and she's getting that 15 minutes. But well, it's, it's just like, you know, Al Sharp and, and Jesse Jackson. The only oh time they God. show up is whenever there's a camera. Yeah. You know, otherwise you don't see Al Sharpton out there, you know, doing the Lord's work no. off camera. But Isn't when, he a reverend? Allegedly. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you'll see him, you know, when, when Michael Brown happened down in Ferguson, Missouri, and uh, um, the Honorable Barack Obama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, dispatched the Justice Department, Eric Holder and company, to investigate civil rights violations down there. Guess who also showed up? Al Sharpton. Big Al. And, and exactly what value does he bring? Nothing, except he gets his 15 minutes of fame yet sure. again. Him and, him and Jesse Jackson the same way. You go, yeah. you go back. Now, uh, you know, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson both, uh, you know, marched with Dr. King. And there was a lot of people related to Dr. King um, who used that platform for better. Mm-hmm. These guys used it for money. Well, they used it for their own personal gain. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when the camera, when any, any, um, any lead story comes out, he's not going to go for a, a page two story. No. Big Al's coming out on on page anything. It's page one. And I will just say, just a personal note. One thing that really just tore me up over the uh, Michael Brown funeral mm-hmm. that uh, our president at the time, uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. God bless you, Rush. Um, he um, uh, sent a contingency from the White House to go to Michael Brown's funeral. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the highest ranking military person in the war on terror had been killed in Afghanistan, a two-star general. Guess who from the White House went to this two-star general's funeral? I can't imagine who. Nobody. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me. You know, Obama made a comment when um, Trayvon Martin happened. Oh, my God. And he made a comment. It always kind of stuck with me that he said, if I had had a son, he'd be like Trayvon. Yeah, a little dooper. So you're telling me you, that your son would be a criminal? That you, that your son would be yeah. someone who's intimidating and, and potentially running around Florida with a gun? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and after Trayvon. He just wanted some Skittles. <laughs> After Trayvon, you had Michael Brown, you had Eric yeah. Eric Garner up in New York. Yep. But and, and each and every time, Obama legitimized, or 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 basically victimized. Sure. The you know the victim. Yeah. The 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 perpetrator made yeah. them appear to be innocent. Oh, they didn't know what they were doing, or oh, this shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. No, in Michael Brown's case, you tried to disarm a police officer. Oh yeah. 
Okay, that just that forget robbing the convenience store. Yep. Forget walking illegally down the middle of the street. Yeah, but I loved how they showed that little seventh grade picture of little Michael Brown yeah, every time the news came on. He's a gentle giant. Gentle giant. It was a no. seventh grader in the picture. No, when you see him in real life now, in few, in, at the time he was killed, mm-hmm. you know, he was as tall as you and, and could have played offensive line for anybody. He was a grown man. He was a grown man. And, and a known drug dealer. And, sure. And just... I don't know if he was a gangbanger, but he was known to be uh, violent in his in his neighborhood. But Obama, who could have been the first black president to bridge the whole, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, civil rights thing for a second, but he could have been the, since Martin Luther King Jr., he could have been the first person to yeah. really bridge that civil rights gap between white people and black people. But instead, he kept perpetuating the cycle by supporting the perpetrator who was the guilty party. Yeah. The, the, the person that was trying to disarm a police officer. Yeah. In my book, that's wrong. Oh, yeah. Why are we making Michael Brown look out to look like he's some kind of saint? Look at like George Floyd. Yeah. You know, the left basically wants to worship this guy. The dude's got a rap sheet longer than my arm. George he, Floyd held a loaded gun to, to a, a woman's pregnant stomach. woman's stomach during a home invasion. Yeah. He's not a saint. Now they want to build statues to him. You know, I don't agree with what Officer Chauvin did. I don't either. Okay, th- that should never have happened. And yes, you know, was it murder? No, I think murder is pre- premeditated. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what he did in the heat of the moment was wrong. And yes, oh, yeah. he should pay a price yeah. for it. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, but to paint Floyd as a saint? No. No. no absolutely no. not. And, you know, they proved during the trial the different types of drugs he had in his system. So did they have probable cause for what they did? Mm-hmm. Not only was he was it trying to pass counterfeit bills. He was, yeah. On top of that, he was high on a cocktail of a diff, you know of, of several different types of drugs. Um, now, I'm not... And Chauvin had had several um, write-ups in his past. Right. And that's one thing. If anything good comes out of all this... Um, the one thing good will be that they will, they're going to create a database. Mm-hmm. So if you have been reprimanded um, or you've been fired from a police department, um, it'll be on this database and you can't just go to another department because right. there are bad eggs out there. Right. You know, nobody's ever denied that. Um, but, you know, the only ones that usually right now get, uh, you know, publicized is it when they're two different races. That's right. You know, and uh, unfortunately... Um, what is it? The I'm trying to remember where it came from. Too much history in my mind. Um, but you know, the the communists had always said that America's vulnerability. What is it? E. Gifford. He was like a congressman back in the fifties, mm-hmm. and and he read from a a communist manuscript. A commun communist manuscript manuscript mm-hmm. manuscript. Hey, what's a manuscript? Is that like manscaping? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even going to look it up. Oh, I just got to get Actually, I'm on your Wi-Fi. I can look up whatever I look want. Look whatever yeah. you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a communist <laughs> manuscript where it said America's one vulnerable spot is race. Mm-hmm. That if you can turn the races against each other, that creates the vulnerability bigger so it's easier to take over the country. That's what's going on in front of our face right now. Exactly. You know, and, and the homeland security, the homeland security, we've got a great military. Mm-hmm. And even including Space Force. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that name is so 80s. <laughs> Space Force. It's like a Saturday's cartoon from it the is, 80s. isn't it? Anyway, my Space Force brothers. Oh. 
Anyway, um, you know, we've got a great military which defends our nation from foreign invaders, but our domestic uh, uh, force that we have are all the local uh, city and county and, uh, you know, township police mm-hmm. departments right. that we have. Right. So you're, by breaking that down, you're doing nothing but making this country weaker. So, you know, I'm sure it's more for a different show, but right now, you know, that's just part of the, part of the, a piece of the problem mm-hmm. um, in the war that we have going on in our country right now. Yeah. It's, well, we're, it's another battle in the war, I'm trying to say. Well, we're tearing ourselves apart. I mean, you know, you look, at, look at Rome. You yeah. know, Rome collapsed on itself. I'm hearing fiddle playing, I tell you. And that's what's happening here between our you know, horrible monetary policy. You know, we're digging ourselves deeper in debt. We're, yep. We have a big race war going on right now. The gulf between blacks and whites is getting pretty wide. Now, we're not at yep. the... We're not at the civil war type gap yet where well, you've got one side after another yet that can come. But in, in every, in every, in every area we, we are just, we're, we're negative. Okay. We're not getting any better. We're not trying to better ourselves. We're making it worse. We're, we're doing things like, well, we're going to give out um, uh, reparations to black people. Well, what about uh, the Irish who came over here and they, they were, they were oppressed back in their homeland. So why aren't we getting them, you know, money? What about the Chinese that built the railroads? Sure. Exactly. How about the Japanese who were interned in world war two? Yeah. You know? And so we are, we're digging our own hole. We are absolutely. And you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, myself getting deeper into the social media platforms, um, learning more about the, you know, uh, American cultural geography, um, is, there are people out there who of all different colors. Yep. I saw a, a black guy on uh, one of the social media platforms the other day, and he says, my white brothers, my brown brothers, my yellow brothers, join together and let's save our country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, amen, preach it. Yep. You know, he gets it. And and <laughs> the funny thing was, you know, a, a guy had took that video and uh He's standing there watching the video, and all of a sudden he drops everything, and you see him running into his house going, Honey, get the stuff. Somebody's finally figured it out. We're going to set this stuff straight. You know, he's <laughs> he's so excited because, you know, there are people out there who um, understand the big picture yeah. and are not feeding into the the small channels of, of, well, of hate. That's right. You know, that's dividing us when we need to be standing together. Um, and, and, and it's not just limited to, to race where this hate is. Now we have the whole defund police. We're going to hate yeah. on our police officers because they're trying to enforce the law. And if you've got a white police officer who happens to kill a black man, suddenly this is a hate crime. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny how we publicize the white cop on black yeah. man violence, but we don't publicize the opposite. Yeah. We don't even talk about how black people are killing themselves mm-hmm. in Chicago. Oh my goodness. Those you know, numbers are off the chart weekly. Well, we're going to go after the handful of white cops yeah. that occasionally kill a black man. Well, in most cases, it was almost justified. Yeah. I'm not saying all of them. Well, not all of them, no, because there are bad eggs, as we've said before. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just like uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, Jake. Mm-hmm. Good kid, uh, good family. Um, and, you know, his, uh, his reply of, why'd you join the army was beautiful. You know, yeah. he has a calling. He, even though everything is what it is against him, that is what he's after right now. And, and that was it. I, you know, we talked about a little bit that day about, you know, like my dad, about old school policing and, and some of that mountain justice I talk about needs to come back. I mean, there was a story mm-hmm. with my dad who 
Um, and it was funny because he never really told us anything um, of what happened. See, where I grew up, down in the mountains, uh, we're right on the Kentucky state line. Mm-hmm. On the Kentucky side of the state line, there's no alcohol. Okay. On the Virginia side, it's all you can drink. So they came over to our side to get their alcohol. Oh, and, and yeah. party and raise hell. Yep. All right. Um, and like I said, my dad was Andy Griffith on steroids. I mean, <laughs> he did carry a gun. He did have an attitude. And, you know, he was, um, well, he was like the old West I talked about. You know, they mm-hmm. found the toughest guy in the neighborhood or in the county, and they put a badge on him. And then they found uh, the other guys he hung out with, and they put badges on them. And that's how the sheriff picked his deputies. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can tell you many times when my dad would come home and have his uniform half ripped off of him and he'd come in, change uniforms and right back out the door, he'd go. Wow. You know, and, um, you dedication know, to his job. It was, he loved being a cop. He loved being a cop more than anything. And, um, but, uh, you know, but there was also stories that was told at his funeral when he passed away. Stories I'd never heard, didn't know anything about, um, and a lot of it had to do what with one that sticks sticks that sticks out the most was um he got a phone call, said these two guys were fighting over a girl, and this has been going on for like six or eight months, and people families were afraid they were gonna kill each other. Well, he gets a call and says, Hey, they're up on this old mine site, um, and they've took a they're up there, they've took a bunch of weapons, they're gonna kill each other. Well, mm. my dad and his partner at the time, a guy named Jeff, takes off up there. They get up there, and this was Jeff's story at my dad's funeral. And he said, you know, um, he told him he said he pulled up, and he said when we pulled up, said them two boys were sitting on the tailgate of the truck, and when they saw your dad, they said their eyes bugged out because <laughs> they knew that it, you know they, they might be in trouble. Right. And uh, Jeff said your dad got out, said he walked over to him, says what are y'all doing? Well, we've we got a disagreement over a girl, and we're we, we're going to figure it out. Said your dad stood there and looked at him a minute. Said he shook his head, tapped his foot a few times, just enough to make him good and nervous, mm-hmm. you know. And he said, "I tell you what," he said, "I'm gonna." He said, first off, I need to know what was it." He said, first I need you got any weapons?" No, sir, we don't have any weapons." He said, "I'm going to search your trucks." Yes, sir. You go ahead. Even though these boys are getting ready to hurt each other, it was yes, sir. You mm-hmm. know, that's right. But they dad searched. There was no weapons around anything like that. And Jeff said, "Dad walked around to the tailgate and he said, I tell you what, boys,' he said, "I'm rolling off this mountain.'" I'll be back here in 30 minutes. He said, you got 30 minutes to figure out this problem and how you're going to work it out. Mm. And after when I come back, I don't ever want to hear this again. He wow. went over and got in his car and he drove away. 30 minutes later, came back up on that mine site. Nobody there. He never heard of it again. That's awesome. You know, I yeah. mean, mountain justice. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it don't. But I tell you what, you know, when uh, people know there are repercussions, just like children, Yeah. you know, they tend less... They're less likely to break the laws we said earlier. But see, going back to your, your example there, one thing that really stood, stood out in my mind is that both of the guys showed respect to your dad. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. today a cop rolls up on, and that happened today. Yeah. Cop rolls up on him. He'd be getting a ton of lip from those boys. Yeah. They're both probably got some weapon on board and they're yeah. going to do, and, and they're going to do, they're, they're, there's, there's a good chance they're going to draw their weapon on him. Yeah. He may have to tase them because they, they draw the weapon, whatever. Yeah. It's it's so different today because people do not show any level of respect right to a police officer right they you know again when I see one if I see one in my rearview mirror I instantly you know as we all do we see one in the rearview mirror we got to make sure we're doing the speed limit we don't want to get pulled over we yeah. don't want to get a ticket but you know I when I grew up my parents always taught me you 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 respect police yeah okay you get pulled over hands at ten and two you show them that you are not a threat yep you know. A couple of years ago, my daughter and I were heading to preschool on the other side of the mountain, and uh, one of my headlights had, had died as I got on the interstate. 
And so I got to the top of the mountain and a cop pulls me over at the, at the top, um, rest, uh, rest area, the mm-hmm. overlook. Yeah. And, uh, he walks up and I, I know, you know, my history and <laughs> my, my alter ego and another state. Well, the cop ran my, my, my license plate and a whole bunch of bells and whistles went off. So oh, Lord. I, I get pulled over and my hands are at 10 and two. My daughter's in my backseat. I said, I told my daughter, I said, be quiet. Okay. Cause you know, she's a talker. I said, I need to talk to this police officer. Just be quiet. Yeah. She goes, okay, daddy. So hands at 10 and two the whole time. Okay. As soon as he walks up, he motions for me to roll my window down, roll my window down, hands back at 10 and two. Mm-hmm. He addressed me, you know, how you doing, sir? I said, how you doing officer? How can I help you? He said, license registration. I gave him, I said, it's over here. I'm on my seat. Can I reach for it? Again, I want to show him I'm not a threat. Sure. Okay. The whole time he's got his right hand on his service uh, pistol. Yeah. He has no idea what to expect from me, especially that he ran my, my license plate yep. and a whole bunch of bells and whistles went off. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> I, so he took my license, went back to his car, looked me up in the database, figured out that there's that other alter ego of mine in New Jersey who did some bad things. I'm not him. He came back to my car. He said, hey, you know, I just want you to know your headlights out. I said, I know. I just saw that. I'll just, take care of it. Just, just to be clear, all right? Yes. My wife has an alter ego. When we were younger, she had an alter ego when she was drinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, that alter ego's name was Bernadette. Don't ever let Bernadette come out. She's hard to get back in the box when you get her out. When you say alter ego, it's somebody else in another part of the country yes. that has the same name as you. Yes. Who's not necessarily uh, believes in the letter of the law. Correct. He's got uh, multiple arrests and I think he's still in jail. And every so often when I either do a weapons purchase or whatever. um, I don't want people listening to this thing like you're a Jekyll and Hyde kind of character. No, 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 I'm not. If somebody calls my wife Bernadette, I'm dead. Okay, just keep that in mind. I walk out the door to the studio. Uh, 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 The Liberty Room with Dwight. Yeah, Jim was uh, misplaced <laughs> last night, accidentally. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I showed respect to the officer. He right. didn't drag me out of my car. He didn't beat me. He actually told me, hey, well, do you know how to change your headlight? And I said, I do. I just, I'll yeah. take care of it. He said, okay. Well, he's like, have a great day. Yeah. And that was it. But I showed respect to the officer. Sure. Okay? Yep. And, and along those lines, I want to play a video. And I guess since we're on a podcast, people can't see it so they're gonna have to well the audio is good enough mainly because and that's what i was kind of alluding to earlier was the fact that you know that that 15 minutes of fame everybody with a camera everybody with a platform people going out looking trying to antagonize police into some sort of confrontation so they can get that 15 minutes of fame and you know right now there's too much going on in the world we don't need that that's right hey karen take your ticket and take your ass home that's right all right. Don't be trying to antagonize a cop into doing something. Don't accuse a cop who, in this case, looks like, oh my God, he's the most patient young man. Oh, I know. You know, but it's it, I, well, I don't have those patients, so therefore I know what's out of my possibility of job descriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, but this guy does a great job. But uh, you know, um, deal well, with it in court. Yeah, people want to. They want to argue their point on the side of the road. Yeah, and that's, and that's the problem. You're not going to yeah. win. No. If you want to fight the cop, you do that in court. Yeah. Just take your ticket and yep. move on. Absolutely. Um, and so this video, I'm sure many of our listeners have probably seen on Facebook and around the the YouTubes and social media. But, um, you know, this is from the Daily Caller, but it was a clip about a police officer who pulls over this irate woman. 
It's that fader, not that one. I already got it up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm way ahead of you. Oh, you're Bluetooth. I'm Bluetooth, yeah. So we're going to try this for the first time. We have my phone paired to the soundboard, and we're going to try this video. You'll have to just listen to the audio. Uh, It's about a three-minute clip, but um, I think it's kind of applicable to this talk. So here we go. We're going to try it now. Better turn some audio up, right? All right, let's try this again. Somehow my speaker, it muted. Okay, now we got audio. Okay, we're going to try this again here. You ready, Jim? I'm ready whenever you are. With bated breath. Here we I'm go. ready whenever your phone is. Oh, my phone is ready. Here we go. 38. Y- yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are me? correct. I pulled you over because... Because you're a murderer. Because uh, yes, I started to record because you can't you're a murderer. Be a, you can't be on your cell phone I, I while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared you can't, me. You can't use your cell I phone can while you're recording. you. May I have your driver's license? I, it's... It's at my apartment. What's your apartment? It's at my home. I'm just taking my son to his. Do you parents. have a, Do you have your driver's license? I it, I mistakenly left it at home. Do you have a picture of your driver's license? Yes, I do. May I have it? And can you call your supervisor, please? Because I, I already did. He's on his way. Good, because you're a murderer. Okay. And so you're giving me a cell phone ticket? Is that why you're harassing me? Not harassment. Yeah. I, I am enforcing the law. I have a right to and record the police when they're harassing me. By all means, but you can't do it while you're driving. I was. I can. I wasn't. Doesn't texting or none of that. Do you have? And you had that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're. That's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Okay. Can you zoom in on that for me, sure. dear? Sure. Thank you. And I'm perfectly legal, and I'm a teacher. So oh. there. Congratulations. Murderer. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, if here you, you stop, go, murderer. Stop shaking. Zoom in on that for no, me, No, because right? you're scaring me. Oh, you're threatening to kill me and my son. Can you give me okay. the, the well, you, you, I'll tell you what, you keep smiling, yeah, you're on camera. You keep, you're, you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm I not didn't smiling, say that. you're the one who's crazy. Hold that still, I can't see that. Uh, is this your car? Yes, it is. Um, you're trying to say I stole my own car because you're jealous? Yeah, is that what I don't that's think about? so. You wait for me right here, okay? You're jealous. All you need to do is get your signature. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. Here you go, ma'am. Sign inside the red box right a, there. For him being a Mexican racist. What is that name? Gas. It's on the citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really want to be. You there you go, be dear. White. Have you, a good ma'am. day. You want to be white so bad. It comes from a deputy. It's his own personal body camera. He's been on the force uh, for 14 years and tells me he has his own personal body camera to kind of protect himself from from false allegations when he's out there at work. Here's the kicker here. The sheriff's department confirmed to me today that the woman in that video, she actually called internal affairs and filed a harassment complaint against that deputy right after that traffic stop happened. The department also tells me that that woman has a history of making false claims against deputies. So there you have it. I mean, that's somebody looking for their 15 minutes of fame if there ever was. Exactly. I mean, to even go so far, if she's having a bad day, if she's having a, uh, just a Karen moment and having in, in the middle of a bad day, that's one thing. 
I mean, we've seen it happen before so many times. Go right. to YouTube, you'll find them. Uh, some are funny, some aren't. But in her case, the fact that she went to Internal Affairs after the point and filed a harassment case, when there's video footage of her being the total aggressor, mm-hmm. yeah, she's just looking for her 15 minutes of fame. That's all That's all it is to it. She is. But, but what's, what's really insane for me is the fact that here's a school teacher, someone who... Oh, yeah. In our in our community, we 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 teach our children to look up to people of authority, right? And so our kids are going to use teachers as people of authority. Sure. So here's a school teacher who's a leader of her community, who's treating a police officer who's tasked with protecting the community and treating him like crap, all because she didn't want to get a ticket for playing with her cell phone while she was driving. If uh, I was a member of that school board, her 15 minutes of fame would be her unemployment. Yeah. That'd you know, be her pink slip to exit stage left. Absolutely. That is no uh, no person for kids to look up to. No role model for any kids. I sure wouldn't want that role model for, for my son right. or for your kids, for that matter, or anybody right. else's kids. Right. That's just uh, completely uncalled for. And you see more and more of that. If you're sitting in your vehicle and an officer pulled you over for a simple traffic stop and you're in there saying, I don't have to show you my ID. Here, let me educate you a little bit. All right. Go back to when you apply for your license Mm -hmm. or when you renew your license. There is a statement on that license form that says this identification is property of the state of wherever. Here, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And you are required to hand that over to any law enforcement or representative from law enforcement whenever you are asked. Mm -hmm. That driver's license does not belong to you because it has your picture and your name on it. Right. It does not. It belongs to the state and the department that issued it to you. So to tell an officer you don't have to give him your license shows you you're an idiot to begin with. Oh, but officer, I know my rights. Oh, there's so many jailhouse lawyers out there. I mean, do you really know your rights? Yeah. No, apparently they don't. And, you know, but now it's... There are so many PC judges and stuff out there who do not enforce the law when the police officers do. That's right. That it puts the law, the 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 police officers at risk of not just kind of personal injury, but also uh, career injury. That's right. It does. You know, one one chance. I mean, I tell it in the concealed weapons classes that um, if you want to know who has all the rights, talk to a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. If you know somebody in your life, or you know somebody in your neighborhood who is a corrections officer. Ask them who has all the rights, the officer or the inmate. The inmate does. Every day of the week. All That's an inmate right. has to say is he touched me inappropriately. The inmate goes back to his incarcerated life, and that officer is now on suspension, most likely without pay, until an investigation is com- completed. Not just started, but completed. Again, we are victimizing the perpetrator. Yeah. The guilty party. Yeah. Yeah, and and... And too many times, there's way too much evidence. In this case, they saw her with a cell phone. She's on camera with a cell phone while she's driving. You know, she has to be, you know, uh, has to go through the due process Mm -hmm. to show that she is guilty. But the officer is completely within his rights in order to pull her over and cite her. Sure. Um, And now she's she's called in the supervisor. You can see the supervisor there talking. Um, You know, it's uh, she has tied up valuable city or county resources. Um, and it's actually costing your taxpayer dollars to go into a direction that, uh, that is wasteful. That's right. I mean, yeah. when you get pulled over by a police officer like she was, oftentimes, if you're nice to them, they're going to be respectful of you. Oh, and yeah. sometimes they're yeah. going to let you go just a warning. Yeah. Okay. But when you start becoming belligerent, yeah. 
trying to get all preachy. You know your rights. You're going to record everything. They're not going to do you any kind of favors. One of the coolest things is, you know, like I said, I, I went 20 years without getting a ticket. And in three year, in one year, I got three tickets. <laughs> you made up for all the 20. And, yeah, I did. <laughs> really. they, did the, they didn't catch you. I don't know what was going on. I was on the bottom end of the, the lottery on that one. But I went to court with each one, explained my, you know, my, my position, apologized. I pled guilty. Mm-hmm. And because I was honest and upfront, you know, they cut me some slack. Um, and only because I'd had such a great driving record for 20 years, 20 mm-hmm. plus years. Right. But I got one ticket um, and the details of where and how I got it are, are irrelevant. The one cool thing about it is, and I remember the officer, he was, you know, was on the side of the road. We're, we're chatting, you know, I'm being very, you know, relaxed, very, very friendly with him. Um, we get to court. I tell my story. The judge, you know, cuts me slack. Um, one of the things he told the judge was how cooperative I was, how nice it was. He remembered me from our conversation. Um, you know, he got a call as we're wrapping up our business. And I told him, I said, please be careful. You know, your job, you know, as in your job's dangerous, a lot more dangerous than me just riding down the road. So please be careful. Right. All right. Um, I am leaving the courtroom. I'm getting on the elevator and all of a sudden I hear him call out my name. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I was like, yeah. I said, did I forget something? He said, no. And he reached out his hand to shake my hand. And he said, Mr. Wood, I've been a police officer for 12 years. He said, and you're probably the nicest guy I ever pulled over. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciated it. Wow. You know? Wow. So how you treat how you treat people, and that includes police officers too, is how you're yep. going to be treated in most cases. That's right. If you're riding around looking for trouble, well, you're going to find it. That's right. You know, so I'm not saying that all these cases that we've had over the years that have been magnified from, um, you know, uh, from Reginald Denny or um, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, 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 Rodney yeah, King. Rodney King. Rodney King to George Floyd uh, to any of these cases have been, um, you know, provoked in any way. But, you know, there's bad cops out there. There's good cops out there. And the amount of good cops are so dramatically higher, the number so Absolutely. much higher of people who are called to serve their community that, um, you know, if somebody did, like I said with Derek Chauvin, we don't agree with what he did, right? go get him. Yep. You know, but you also got to understand what that job is and how you need to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Agreed. And we need to have their back. Absolutely. You know, we don't, with this whole defund police thing, we don't have their back. And and I think that's the reason why a lot of police officers are leaving the force because they know they have, they have absolutely no support. Yeah. You know, when they, when they can't rely on their chief to come to their aid, I'll never forget. Um, I was at a, uh, at a company again, this has nothing to do with police officers, but it deals with support. And I was told, uh, by my boss at the time, basically, look, Dwight, as long as you do what's right, yeah. I've got your back. Yeah. And you do what's wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to be there for you. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so it's the same thing here. If we're going to put our police officers, they're, they're, they're on the front lines. They're, they're the soldiers we have. They're on the front lines every single day. And, and if they can't rely on people behind them to have their back when they're doing their job exactly. correctly, why do the job at all? Right. Right. And that's where we're going to get to the point. And like I said, you know, earlier, that's part of that uh, communist manifesto right. uh, trying to divide our country, try to make us more vulnerable to make it uh, open because right now America is the strongest, uh, you know, beacon on the planet. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of people who resent us. It's uh, you know, it's like Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> how many rings that man got? <laughs> 
more than either one of us will ever have in uh, ten lifetimes. He's got more. He's got more diamonds on one hand than my wife has in her whole box. You know. <laughs> so, but people love to hate Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's the best. That's right. I'd never. I. You know what? And and granted, I'm I'm a Vikings fan. I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I've never been the biggest Brady fan, and I swore up and down that I wouldn't be. Um, I said if he could go to another team that was not a Super Bowl contender and take them to the Super Bowl in the first year and win, then I'll be his biggest fan. Are you his biggest fan now? I've got a Tom Brady T-shirt in my closet. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> I really do. All right. It was really kind of just kind of get jab at somebody else, but um, you know he has to be talked about in that in that respect. Right. Um, and that's the same way that our country is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you're the greatest country in the world. There are people out there who want to bring you down, who right. want to uh, uh, make you punish you for your success, mm-hmm. you know, and we're experiencing, we're seeing it right now. You know, um, a history major is not a career path that a lot of people take um, because what are you going to do? Work in a museum, be a teacher. You know, there's very few career fields out there where a history major can get you big bucks, right. fame, fortune. Um, you can use a history major to go to law school, but uh, what if you're it, Indiana Jones? It, well, that's archaeology. Uh, history, it's yeah. all about the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, but one thing a history, uh, a, a perspective in education of history will show you is how history repeats itself. Yes, it does. And this is just one cog in the in the big machine in the big wheel of how outside influence is trying to tear our country apart. Mm-hmm. And I so agree with that guy on TikTok. My black brothers, my, my white brothers, my yellow brothers, my brown brothers, we're all part of this together. That's right. It's time for everybody to unite, understand there are bad people in this world of all colors, of all job titles, mm-hmm. and especially right now in what we're seeing as far as outside influence trying to uh, bring down the greatest country in the in, in, greatest nation in the world. That's right. Um, so it's time for us to to unite, um, and we can weed out the bad as we go along. But right now, it's time for everybody to work together. That's right. And if, and if we get rid of our police officers, we're, that that is going to be the undoing of this country. Without it, it, it's going to be nothing but chaos and anarchy. It is. It is. And then it's it, then we're going to be so focused on defending our own families, defending right. our own neighborhoods. Um, you know, I'm proud of the fact that we had an issue in this neighborhood where I live at uh, a few weeks back and one of the police officers called me and because they were shorthanded said, can you keep an eye out for me? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. I'm here. I got you. You know, I ain't no tough guy. I ain't no badass. I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy that lives in, you know, lives in this particular neighborhood where the police need to help. And you know, one of the reasons why I helped him because I knew he had helped me. Sure. He also knew about the armory you had. He just knew that, hey, you're like a, a police substation over yeah, here, man. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep that down to a minimum. Yeah, don't tell anybody. The discussion, yeah, it's our little secret. Yeah, it's for another podcast. Yeah. Not today. No, it's going to be a good one, too. But, you know, so when it comes down to it, are there bad cops? Absolutely. Yes. But are there bad citizens? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me ask you one more question before we sign off. Okay, what's that question? These people who are out here with that cell phone trying to get that 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame, Mm -hmm. which side are they on, the good side or the bad side? They're on their own side. Yeah. They really are. And that doesn't help us as a whole at all, does it? No, not at all. No. It's, It's detrimental. Very detrimental. So you make up your own mind where that person stands. All right? 
Right now, we're talking about unity. We're talking about everybody together. It's all, you Kumbaya. know, peace, love, rainbows, and unicorns, baby. <laughs> That's right. Kumbaya. <laughs> you know, because uh, everybody's job's tough. Not everybody gets blasted all over YouTube. That's right. You know? Yep, absolutely. All right. Is that where we wrap it up tonight? I think we wrap it up here, man. I think it is. Wow. That hour went by fast. It did go by fast. I got to figure out how to put this bumper music in now for the end here. Oh, you'll you'll get you'll get it. I'm sure you will. I'll push this button here and start sliding it up. Go All right. It. Well, here we are. Another end of another episode of the podcast of the Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight. Don't forget, we got a new one coming out every week. Send us those messages. Go to thelibertyroom.com. Our Facebook page will be up this week. We're going to see uh, what kind of interesting topics you guys have. Uh, for me and my friend Dwight to ponder and uh, research and put out for everyone. We need stuff to talk about, so send it on in. Yeah, I can talk about anything. I know you can. <laughs> and I'll talk forever, too. So, <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you guys for joining in on another uh, podcast of the Liberty Room. We hope to see you or hear you from you next week. Keep them topics coming. Until next week, I'm Jim. I'm Dwight. See you later. This is the Liberty Room. We'll see you next week.